We're in a series called Finding Yourself in God's Story. Guys, do you know that this story, we get one shot at this story? We don't get a do-over. We get one shot at this story. How many in here like to read? Do you like to read? How many go, I'm okay listening to it? Yeah. But there is something really powerful. I'm always amazed. Leah was at my house this week and she's like, oh yeah, I've read four books in the past three or four days. I'm like, what? My husband can do the same thing. Jeff, he can sit down and read and he, he goes through this book and he goes through the series and, and, and I love to read, but I'm always reading things that are, are going to like educate me and help me. But every once in a while, you get a story that you almost put yourself into and you imagine yourself in that story. And sometimes it's gracious and glorious and it's beautiful. And then there are times you're like, ooh, I don't like myself in that story. Sometimes we read that story and we have a whole lot of, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be that. I wish I knew how to do that. And in that story, if you're like me, most of the time I wish I were a little taller. It's true. Or maybe some of us wish in that story that we could eat all the brownie sundaes we wanted to and it never go to our hips. I never understand that. Or maybe you're reading a story and you think, man, I wished I had a love like that. Or maybe you read a story and you go, man, I want to be a parent like that. I want to be a friend like that. But you put yourself in that story. The sermon series allows us to look and see how we get to see ourselves. In God's story. Because here's what I want you to know before we ever get started today. You are a part of God's story. You are a part of God's story. Whatever your background is, wherever you've come from, whatever you have been through. There is nothing you can tell me. A, it doesn't matter if I know it or not because God already does. And he says, you know what? You are a part of my story. Now, with great blessing, though, comes great responsibility. What do you do with that responsibility? What do you do when God says you're a part of this story? You finally come to a place where you're like, no. That's what Steph would say. Or you say, y'all. You know That it's a matter, too, of that God is not ever going to push you into the street to watch you get hit by a car. But God is going to set you up with a glorious, beautiful road to walk down that he knows that the path that is set for you is beautiful and wonderful if you only take that first step. 
So today, we're going to talk about this for a little bit because we're going to read a story about two totally different people, but they are still a part of God's story. If you want to turn with me, we're going to read from Luke 18. Luke 18, and we're going to start with verse 9. Jesus told this parable, so this is Jesus telling this story. So I don't know, there's something even more important when you know that Jesus is the one that's very intentionally saying, I want to tell you something and I need you to hear me. And he says this, he says, Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. I just have to go, "Uh uh-huh. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words, God, I thank you that I am not like everyone else. Crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. Then... The story changes. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward mercy and to heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. That's what Jesus said. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted high. Amen. Amen. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. So which are we in this story? I believe we've been both, absolutely. I believe that we have been both in this story and we don't want to admit it. Because listen, we don't want to admit what it means to be a Pharisee. Pharisees appear regularly, so this isn't a new word for us. They appear regularly in the book of Luke. In 5.30 we talk about how they criticize Jesus for his association with tax collectors, so this isn't new. And sinners, they are associated with the righteous whom Jesus has not come to call. They reject God's purpose by themselves and for themselves by refusing to be baptized, which we find that out in John, which is always interesting to me, because they have a very high standard of what they think it's supposed to be in order to be righteous. As Luke states in his introductory sentence, he has trusted in himself. That never works out. His prayer of gratitude may be spoken to the Lord, but it is really about himself. He locates his righteousness entirely in his own actions and being. Ouch, we've all done it. We can get onto this guy all day long, but we have all done it. In order to avoid this kind of self-congratulatory reading, though, we have to, we have to stop and we have to go, uh, yeah, been there, done that, wore that t-shirt. 
In this parable, though, I don't want you to think that we're just condemning the Pharisee for everything the Pharisee is saying is true. He did live this life. He did do everything right. He is by the standards, both by what Jesus has spoke, by what Luke has spoke, righteous. But what happens? So before we judge him too quickly, and it's real easy to do that. Old school, we used to say that's the pious church, right? The self-righteous and the pious church. But we still have to ask ourselves how many of us have uttered those same words. Don't look at me, look at him. Don't look at everything I'm over here doing. Let me talk to you about them. Let me tell you what they are doing. Because I'm doing it all right. I've been paying my tithes. I've been getting up praying. I've been trying to be a better person. Don't look at me. Look at them. It's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? And then you've got the tax collectors. And they are associated with sinners throughout Luke. And the tax collector of this parable, a picture of shame makes his association within itself extremely important because he walks up and what does he say? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. And I want you to understand why. Because back then in Roman empires, taxation systems were corrupt. Systems repeatedly offended many of their residents in first century Galilee. It's just what happened. There's nobody controlling that. They were their own boss. It is difficult to determine how severe even the taxation system was, but we do know that the demands for individuals and families were rough. The collect taxes in places like neighborhoods. They would collect taxes in highways and markets and, and docks. Wherever they could collect, collect taxes, that's what they did. The tax collector, on the other hand, though, he knows this. He knows that he possesses no means by which to claim righteousness. Because he knows immediately he's done every single thing wrong. I've taken money from people I shouldn't have. I've overcharged I've bought into the system of being corrupt. He knows he's done everything wrong. There is no merit that he knows he's been given. So where do we find ourselves in the story? We all have been confident in who we are in God, right? And if you aren't, it's okay to know who God is in your life. What is not okay is to not realize that the same God is in your life is also in that tax collector's life. It's okay to have confidence in who you are in God. Before I'm a woman, before I'm a woman with purple hair, before I'm a short woman with purple hair, before I'm a pastor, I am a child of God. You 
first and foremost were created. And God said, not only are you created, but I'm creating you special, just like you are, and you are mine. Well, here is something that happens is arrogance. This is a couple of things I've learned in this, is that arrogance leads to amnesia. (laughs) Arrogance leads to amnesia because we forget how we got there to begin with. We forget why we're there to begin with. We all live in a society today that does teach us that it is all about us. you got to watch out for yourself because no one will do it for you. And although there is some truth to that, there is also a huge part that we leave out in the rest of the story, which is the amnesia, is that the Holy Spirit is always watching out for us. The Holy Spirit, I want you to get that. It is not about you watching out for yourself. You don't even have to because the Holy Spirit is watching out for you. And what happens in that amnesia is then we forget to take care of others. And you know what? Usually the hardest in our life are the ones we're supposed to be taking care of. Arrogance comes when we forget what God can do far exceeds what we can do. Or have ever done. I didn't get many amens on that limb. Let me just say that. Amen corner. Are you out there? Let me say that one more time. Arrogance comes when we forget what God can do. Far more. Than it exceeds what we can do. Or have done. Amen. We all want to be proud. We all want to be thankful. We all want to be grateful. And today we are. Because we've worked hard to get where we are, right? We've worked hard, blood, sweat, and a whole lot of tears. We've worked hard, but we can never forget to stay humble and kind. We never can forget to stay humble and kind. You can have all of the knowledge in the world, but if we forget kindness and humility, we miss the point. You can have all of the talent in the world, but if you forget to stay humble and kind, you're just a talking head to people who see you. If you forget where your gifts and your strengths truly come from, you miss the point of the journey. There is this element of finding who you really are. And when you discover who you really are, you discover you are nothing without God. And then the third thing I learned in this is that always, always ask for mercy. There is no shame in asking for mercy every day. Never forget to lay the truth of who you are out there. Because when we speak our truth, it's not a ritual anymore. It's not just because this is what we do. It's because it's our authentic self of who we are. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we get in rituals 
And we forget the point of those rituals. Cry for mercy every day. Lay your arrogance down. Lay your shame down. You see, when Jesus tells this story, there is no doubt that there is a giant purpose as to why. It's almost this oxymoron. You've got the person that did everything right and yet acted everything wrong. Then you've got this person that did everything wrong but acted everything right because they knew they had nothing left. And what happens is the divide between the arrogance and the humbleness is this. The divide becomes, it's not on my own strength, but it's his. The thing that I love is that the tax collector had the guts to walk up and say, have mercy have mercy. The Pharisee could pray in his sleep. He could pray in his sleep. There's some of us that can do that and it puts us to sleep, helps us get our sleep at night, right? But do we know what we're saying? Do we know when we get up here and we say always stay humble and kind, that even means to the people that don't like us. That even means to the people we don't like. That even means to the people that don't understand us. I had a situation not long ago where I'm standing in a room. Rafe and I were standing there together. And we're about to pray. It was uncanny. We're about to pray. And I had ran to go and take something out um, of this sanctuary, drop it off. And when I come in, one of my friends that uh, was playing in the band with me that night says, hey, pastor, hurry up. And when these other men found out I was a pastor, plus a woman, it got interesting. Oh, and let's don't forget she got purple hair, but we already just kind of looked past that. But we've all done that. We've all said, I know that person is this, this, and this, and I know who they are, and I, I automatically put them in a place that isn't fair. Amen. Because maybe every day they get up and they plea for mercy. Amen. The tax collector had nothing to lose but he had everything to gain. Amen. When we forget, when we forget that every day we have nothing to lose, but everything to gain. We become that Pharisee. And some of us are doing all the right things and we're working hard at doing all the right things. And as I close, Rafe, but we forgot to be the right things. We forgot the why in all the right things. So who are you in this story? 
Are you in your daily life living out your ritual because that is all you have ever done? Or are you crying out to God every day, have mercy on me? Paul said it best. He said, I have not obtained it yet. Paul says this, but I press on toward the mark. We lay our arrogance down. We stay humble and we stay kind. And we always ask for mercy. Father, we thank you. Father, we know that we have been that Pharisee. We have been that tax collector. But God, we want, we want to be better in the next part of your story. We want to get it right, God, but we don't want to forget why we want to get it right. God, we don't want to take for granted all that you've done, all that you continue to give and all that you continue to do. Father, we love you and we thank you.